turn with me um, to the book of Matthew because that's where we're going to land today. Uh, We are in part four of our Moving Forward series. For the last few weeks, we've been talking about this idea of of what it means to move forward in our lives, in in, in every area of our life. In week one, Pastor Scott kicked off the series, and he talked about the fact that all of life is moving forward, and that, that truly moving forward in our life means moving in God's direction. And he talked about the fact that there's a call involved in that, that there's a moment of decision involved in that. There's a leaving of, of less significant things in our life involved in that. And there's, there's this drawing near to Jesus factor that can't be mistaked if we're going to really move forward in our life. In part two of the series, we talked about the fact that movement is everywhere in our culture today, that everything has movement, but not everything is moving forward. And, and so we talked about two weeks ago the fact that every day we make a trade-off and that we've got to examine our priorities, that if we're going to move forward into all that God wants for us as individuals, as a church, as a family, then we've got to, to, to identify what those big rocks are and put them in first and recognize that every day we're trading our lives for something. Then last week in week part three, we talked about persistence and that in order for us to move forward into all that God has for us, it requires persistence. Persistence always sets the stage for breakthrough, that we're never going to experience those breakthrough moments in our life. Unless we're persistent, and of course we use the warehouse space as the illustration there, and last week you heard me talk about the fact that this has kind of been a battle in persistence for us as a church, and again, we're talking about that tonight at 6 o'clock at Life Church. Please be there. It's going to be an amazing, amazing time. If you want to be involved, have a heart for this thing, or just want more information about the vision and, and the update on all that God's doing with the warehouse space, 6 o'clock tonight at Life Church, uh, right now in Plantation, as Mike mentioned. Everybody is welcome to that. Well, this morning I want us um, to talk through one final issue or question that comes with the concept of moving forward in our lives in general and more specifically this morning in our spiritual lives. Because the question for us, you know, it's great, fantastic that we're moving forward and that, that we don't just have movement in our life, but we're actually moving with purpose and we're even persisting in some of this forward motion. But the reality is every one of us, when we get to the end of this idea of moving forward in our life, this discussion, we kind of end up with this question, how do we sustain it? How do we sustain momentum in our life? And, and specifically, how do we sustain spiritual momentum in our life? That's what I want us to talk about for a few minutes together this morning. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been around someone who got started on something? And I mean, they were just gung-ho about it. I mean, they were just like, just head over heels. They bought the course. They took the class. I mean, they did, they were just, they were moving forward into something. But then like after a few weeks, you're like, hey, how's that going? And they're like, man, how about, you know, how about them bears? And like, <laughs> a, a few weeks ago, um, I found myself at a place where recognizing where our church is headed and, and some of the demands and, and pressures that are going to be on me as, as senior leader, I started um, to evaluate my own level of physical fitness, and I realized that um, I need to, to be in better shape. So four or five weeks ago when the boys started school, uh, I got my bike out again and I pumped up the tires and I started riding in the morning. So I get up, you know, and take off on my bike and I'd ride a little bit and I'd get home and I'd do some crunches, you know, and I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And um, So then my wife and I are watching 2020 and I see this little snippet report that they do on a book called The Abs Diet. And in this book, they basically contend that, you know, the... the um, 
the picture, the true picture of beauty is a person's abs. And I'm like, what's up now? So um, I get this idea. I bet you I can have washboard abs by Christmas. <sighs> Welcome to Next Level. What's up? <laughs> so, easy, ladies. <laughs> you ever um, find yourself in front of a few hundred people telling a story, and about halfway through you decide you don't want to tell the story anymore? So, uh, so, so I start leaking it. You know, I leak it to my wife. I'm like, washboard, what's up by Christmas? You know, Scott, I'm telling him, Mike, I'm telling these guys, you know, my mother-in-law, the power of confession. So how's it going, man, man? Well, here's what I realized. I realized that like every night at 10, I want some lucky charms. <laughs> and that is not on the abs diet. But we've all been there, haven't we? We've all been around somebody or we've been that person who just was gung-ho about moving forward in some area or some diet or something, you know. But after a few weeks, after a while, they, they kind of lose, lose focus. They, they lose that. And, you know, the truth is the saddest thing of all is to see that happen to someone spiritually. To see someone whose life has just been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. Then after a period of time, see that they weren't able to sustain the spiritual momentum, the moving forward spiritually part. Do you ever worry about it for yourself? On a spiritual level, I, I think if we're being honest with ourselves, even the most spiritual person in the room would have to admit that there are moments in time where we're tempted to quit, where the desire to move forward in our faith doesn't seem as appealing as just coasting, or even worse, giving up the fight entirely. So how do we do it? How do we sustain forward momentum in our spiritual lives? Well, quite honestly, I I think it all comes down to fundamentals. And let me just throw out a, a few thoughts on fundamentals because I think it's true not only spiritually, but I think it's true in every enterprise of our life that every enterprise, no matter how detailed, actually comes down to a few key fundamentals. Think about it. Baseball. Hitting, throwing, and catching. That no matter how complicated it seems, no matter how you know detailed it is, at the end of the day, the game of baseball really comes down to hitting, throwing, and catching. Football comes down to pass, run, and tackle basketball shoot dribble and pass finances debit credit balance and for some of us debt <laughs> right just a few key fundamentals driving a car gas brake and steer find anyone who can't master gas brake and steer you do not want to ride in their car because it comes down to a few key fundamentals, doesn't it? Math, add, subtract, multiply, divide. No matter how complicated the enterprise might seem, no matter how detailed, the truth is it comes down to something very simple. Parenting, 
lecture, spank, and time out, right? (laughs) I'll be honest with you, doing what I do up here, every week, giving a talk like this, the truth is, and, and I'll let you behind the curtain, I guess, it comes down to three things for me. Principle, illustration, and application. And this will kind of be fun because now all of you can judge how well I do at that this morning as I talk. It's, it's fundamentals that no matter the stories I tell, no matter the big fat introductions or the slides that are on the screen around me, every enterprise, no matter how detailed, ultimately comes down to a few key fundamentals. And, and speaking like this is, is no different. Food, meats, it's at the end of the day, pretty much cow, pig, or chicken, Right? Of course, we're in a, I mean, really, you can add spices to it, you can grill it, you can, you know, you can boil it, you can do, you can do whatever you want, but at the end of the day, cow, pig, or chicken is pretty much what all of us are going to eat for lunch today, or since we live in a coastal town, fish, or vegan. So, take your pick, it comes down to a few key fundamentals, doesn't it? And everything builds off of these fundamentals. No matter how complicated something gets, it always comes back and gets, can be brought down to these few key fundamentals no matter how much you add no matter how thick the manual is at the end of the day every enterprise comes down to a few basic things and here's what we need to know when life gets nutty we can always go back to the fundamentals every good coach knows this is true when a player gets off track or when a player loses focus or is struggling or a hitter's in a slump what do they do every good hitting coach knows you got to go back to the basics and the fundamentals a few key factors what it means to really play the game. The essence of the game can be found in a few key fundamentals. Driving a car. No matter if you got the iPod going and the music and the deal and you're putting on the makeup ladies and you're, you know, you're eating fast food and you're shifting gears and you're changing lanes. At the end of the day, gas, brake, steer. And see, we at Next Level Church believe that the same thing is true in our spiritual lives. How do we set ourselves up for long-term spiritual success? How do we sustain momentum in this moving forward process in our spiritual lives? The answer to that is we keep coming back to a few key fundamentals. And at Next Level Church, we believe that there are essentially three. And we firmly believe that if someone will keep these three things in their sights faithfully, that spiritual growth and forward momentum will occur in their life. And that's what we're talking about today. In fact... As we examine the life of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, we see this pattern of these three fundamentals appearing over and over and over again, right down to the final night that Jesus was on earth, the night before Jesus goes to the cross and is crucified for the sin of mankind. In the course of just a few hours right there, Jesus comes back to these three fundamentals as a necessity for himself. He understood that these are non-negotiables. These are fundamentals. These were necessary for his very survival. And I believe that he comes back to these on the night before he's crucified as a model to all of us. Because, see, these three fundamentals have the ability to sustain long-term spiritual growth and momentum in our lives. So this morning I want to take just a couple of minutes and I want us to talk about these three spiritual fundamentals and how we play those out, how that fleshes itself out here at NLC. So let's talk about it. The first one is what we call authentic community. Authentic community, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. In Matthew chapter 26, again, let me set the stage. Jesus is with his 12 disciples and they are, they are just hours away. He's, he's less than a day away 
from being crucified for the sin of mankind. And it was right in the Passover season, which was a religious festival that they were, uh, they and the entire um, nation of Israel were celebrating together. And in Matthew chapter 26, verse 17, look at what it says. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? In other words, other words Jesus, this festival is coming, the Passover is coming, and we need to have a place where we can get together and, and celebrate this. Verse 18, he replied, go into the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says, my point is time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. Verse 19, look. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. So the disciples go ahead, they prepared this meal, this Passover, over meal together they're ready to celebrate this whole thing verse 20 and i want us to notice this in verse 20 look at what it says when evening came jesus was reclining at the table with the 12 it's it's interesting to me that the night before Jesus would go to the cross, the night before Jesus would die, the night before Jesus would be beaten and his beard ripped out, the night before Jesus would endure the sin of mankind on his shoulders, the night before all of that, it is so interesting to me that he surrounded himself with just a small group of people. See, Jesus understood that the masses had their place, but the priority of his life was found in a small group of people. Masses are great, but nothing compares to knowing a few people deeply. So here's Jesus facing this, this huge trial, facing this huge thing that he's going to go through. And he understood something. We call it authentic community. Jesus understood that we as human beings all have an equal need. And that is we need each other. And Jesus understood that. He understood that, that we can't go through life and all that life will deal to us individually, alone. Jesus understood we need each other. But here's the hard part for you and I living in the year 2007 here in Southwest Florida. We live in a culture that tells us we don't. We live in a culture that has taken front porches and front porch swings and put them on the back of the house just so we don't have to talk to people. We put gates on our communities to keep the bad people out. And the pizza guy. Who may or may not be one of the bad people. Anyway, um, I digress. What were we talking about? Um, see, we live in a culture that tells us individualism, individualism, you don't need anybody, you're a self-made man, you're a self-made woman, you be independent. We live in a culture that is screaming to us as individuals, do life alone. In fact, even in the church, we hear so much talk about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, which I'm totally on board with, absolutely. I think a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is a great starting point for us as Christians. But see, God never intended for us to do life alone. Life is meant to be lived in relationship, and Jesus understood that big time. And here he is the night before he's going to the cross, and he surrounds himself with a small group of people that he knew that he could trust, that he could do life deeply with. He understood that when the going gets tough, we need each other. Rick Warren said it this way. He said, you don't need a lot of friends, but the ones you have need to be good ones. So here's my question to us this morning. Who are we doing life deeply with? 
who are, who are we doing life deeply with? Jesus chose 12 guys to let in close. And I think it's important for us to, under, to understand and remember that they weren't perfect. In fact, they were far from it, including one guy who would quite literally stab Jesus in the back or the hands and feet, as it were. But see, Jesus took that risk that, that placing ourselves in a small group context with, with a few people who we let in close is risky. But my question to us this morning is, what's the alternative? To do life alone? So many of us listening right now, we pray alone. We drive to work alone. We eat breakfast alone work alone in our office we drive home alone we even study our bible alone and yet god says in the very beginning of the book in the book of genesis it is not good for man to be alone and yet how many of us listening right now are alone there's people everywhere in our life. There's, there's commotion, there's chaos, there's movement. But relationally, we haven't stepped across that line where we're actually moving forward with intentionality to let people in, to risk, to let them in. And I don't know what you're thinking. You're sitting here going, oh, I'm kind of feeling weird, but I can, I got friends. Shut up. Here's, here's the test for us. Because, yes, I, I got friends. I got friends in low places. Fantastic. And hit it. Um, <clears throat> the people in your life, do they have refrigerator rights? You know what I'm talking about? Like someone comes over to your house, you know, and you don't really know them. You're going to take them in your living room, sit them on the couch. Have a little formal thing, talk a little bit, maybe get them something to drink, maybe put out a tray of something. How many people in your life have refrigerator rights? That they can show up at your house, walk in, go into your kitchen, open up the refrigerator, and start making a sandwich. Without you freaking out on them. That's what I'm talking about. When we moved here five and a half years ago, Mike, our associate pastor, was um, on our church planning team. And, and we were all younger back then. And I can remember we were living in the little two-bedroom apartment that Sarah and I moved into when we first came to town. And Mike came over at one point, And I can remember saying to Mike, you know what, bro? There's going to come a day where you're going to be so comfortable in this house that you're just going to be able to come right in and just get whatever you want out of the fridge and just, you know... Make a sandwich and make yourself something to drink. Sit down on the couch and watch whatever channel you want to watch. And I can remember Mike going, no, 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 you guys are the pastors. No. And it was like a few months later. I don't even think we had started the church yet. And, and we were all, of course, when you move to a city where you don't know anybody, the only people you hang out with is each other. So it was Mike and his roommate Dave and Sarah and I. So every night after work, we'd all just get together because it was like, well, who else are you going to hang out with? So Mike and Dave would come over. And I remember this one night, Mike came over after work. And he was working landscaping, I think, at the time. And he comes in, and he had had a long, hard day or whatever. And he walks right past me. He's like, hey, bro, walks right past me, goes right to the refrigerator, starts making himself a sandwich and a drink. And I stood up, and I'm like, I told you! I knew it! 
Who in your life has refrigerator rights? Who, is, who are you doing life so deeply with that they can get that close, that that's not offensive to you? See, that's what I think Jesus understood. That life in a small group context, though it's risky, is right. It's a fundamental of our faith. And if we're ever going to keep moving forward in our spiritual journey, then it will be because we've surrounded ourselves intentionally with people in a small group context that we can do life with. And Jesus understood that. Here's a second fundamental of our faith. If it really does all come down to fundamentals and this idea of sustaining spiritual momentum really comes down to just a few things. The first one is what we call authentic community. The second one is consistent disciplines. That's kind of our phrase for it. Many of us know how the story goes here the night before Jesus was crucified. He and the twelve have this meal together and um, then Judas is revealed as a traitor and he runs out. After After the meal, the magnitude of what Jesus is about to do is coming upon him. So he and the other 11 who, disciples who were left go out to this garden, this vineyard called Gethsemane. And there we see Jesus do something that was so characteristic of him. Look what it says in Matthew 26, verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. Verse 39. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. See, we see a glimpse of of one of these disciplines that we're talking about because Jesus understood that just being near people wasn't enough. That yes, he did life in a small group context, but he understood that that wasn't enough. He had to have time built in for he and, and the Father in order to go through what he was about to go through in life. He needed some tools to navigate it. And we at Next Level Church call those tools consistent disciplines. Consistent disciplines, principles, concepts, and understandings that help us live more like Jesus in our everyday lives. Prayer is one of them. Learning how to read our Bible, study Scripture, those are others. There are all sorts of these that when applied to our life, help us live more like Jesus in our everyday lives. Things like giving, learning how to confess sin, functioning in relationships, stewardship, overcoming fear, battling temptation, having right priorities, which is what this series has been all about, living with integrity. Each of these concepts or disciplines help us navigate through life the way God wants us to, according to the Bible, not according to our own strength. And see, our Sunday morning environments here at Next Level Church are built around this idea. Our aim every single week as a church is to place another tool in your hand so you can live like Jesus a little bit more this week. That's what these Sunday morning environments are designed around. Consistent disciplines. These tools. Building these tools strategically into our life that help us to live like Jesus in our everyday lives. The reason we use the word consistent is because we believe there's a compounding effect that builds up in our lives over time. So we call them consistent disciplines. It's, it's like spending 20 minutes in the sun. That if every single day you and I spend 20 minutes out in the sun, after an extended period of time, if we do that consistently, we'll end up with a suntan. Why? Because repeat exposure changes our complexion. And see, we believe at Next Level Church that repeat exposure to the sun will change our complexion as well. I got to be honest with you. One of the one of the wins, one of the amazing things for me as a leader is hearing the stories of many of you 
who have found this environment. You're invited into this environment. You hesitantly started attending this environment. And so you started coming week after week after week. And you've committed to consistently be faithful in that. And I love hearing the stories of, of how lives are being changed simply because of repeat exposure to the sun. Simply because of, of a repeat exposure that, that one by one, this compounding effect of these tools, these disciplines consistently being placed into our lives is beginning to change our view on reality. And so many of us know what it is that, that as we've been consistent in developing these disciplines and being faithful to this type of an environment, that we find ourselves going, I'm growing in my faith. I'm, I'm becoming more like Jesus in my everyday life. It's working. So here's a question for us. Are we making growing in these disciplines the kind of priority that it needs to be? Or are we taking more of a lackadaisical approach? Well, you know, I'm good. Whatever. It's cool. Because see, if, if we're taking the more lackadaisical approach, then it probably is no surprise to us when we lack momentum in our spiritual life, is it? We... Um, we talked about, as a staff, a few years ago, this concept as, as we were talking about making sure that we were really hitting a, a breadth and a depth to our approach of spiritual things and building these disciplines in. We, we used this illustration. We said, if a person got plucked out of their life here in Southwest Florida after they'd been attending Next Level Church and put on a desert island, what would they absolutely have to have? If they were never going to attend church again, if they could never, ever, 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 they were on a desert island all by themselves, what would they have to have? You know what we figured out? You have to have church. You, you have to have an environment like this. We're like, well, that stinks. Nobody wants to live on a desert island. We're not created to live on a desert island. We're kind of like the desert island theory doesn't work because... We're not supposed to live on a desert island. We're supposed to live in community. We're supposed to expose ourselves consistently to environments like this where we can be challenged and grow in our faith, where we can have tools placed inside of us that help us develop the disciplines that we can live more like Jesus in our everyday lives. This is God's intention. We would not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as some have done, Hebrews says. So we kind of threw out the desert island thing. I don't know what we replaced it with, but we're kind of like, desert islands are bad Tom Hanks. See, we take this idea of consistent discipline seriously, that we understand that it's not just a good idea. This, this church thing, these Sunday morning environments, is not just a, a good idea. It's a fundamental. And if we're going to keep moving forward systematically and strategically in our spiritual lives, then this has to be a huge piece of that because this is where we get the tools to keep growing and becoming like Jesus. And the third one that's so important for us, first of all, is what we call authentic community. That's a small group of people that we can risk and do life deeply with. The second one is this idea of consistent disciplines. But third would be what we call strategic service. Strategic service, same night, back at the dinner table with Jesus. We see Jesus do something that is very, very strange, in my opinion. It's found in John chapter 13, a different writer taking a different approach on the thing. Look what he has to say. The evening meal was in progress. So Jesus and the twelve are there. They're, they're celebrating the Passover meal together. And the meal is in progress. So this is like mid-course right here. The devil had already prompted Judas to betray Jesus. So that's kind of where we find ourselves in the story. Verse 4 says this. So he, Jesus, look at this peculiar thing he does 
got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. Verse 5, after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Okay, what? Okay, here's, here's what was going on. Basically, the men of that day would wear sandals. Everywhere they would go, they would be in sandals. And so all day long, they would walk on these dirty, dusty roads, and their feet would become very dirty in that process, very dusty and just dry and chapped and cracked. And so when they would come into a setting like this, there would be a servant there. Whoever was kind of the low man on the totem pole, the servant then would, would take a basin of water and a towel and wrap the towel around his waist and then would wash the feet of the people who had come into the, to the building. It was a, a way not only of cleansing, but a, a way of refreshment as well. Well, for whatever reason, when the disciples and Jesus had gathered in this room to, to celebrate the Passover, for whatever reason, nobody had done this. And so right in the middle of the meal, Jesus is just there with the guys and Judas is betraying and the whole thing's going on. All of a sudden, Jesus is like putting on a towel, pouring water in the basin, getting down. And another passage of Scripture actually tells us that the disciples were not okay with this. Like Peter was like, do not do this. What are you doing? And yet, isn't it interesting? Again, put yourself in Jesus' shoes. He is smack dab coming face to face with the reality that he's going to die on a cross very, very soon. And yet, why would he, why would he do this? Certainly there are more important things than dirty feet. You're about to be crucified. But he doesn't. He pauses in the midst of this whole deal. He breaks the, the meal. And he pushes past himself. Takes the position of a servant. He begins to wash every disciple's feet. Why? Why was this so important that hours before death, Jesus did it? Here's the reason why. Because human nature, the sin nature in humanity causes us to be selfish. But the divine nature, God's nature in us, causes us to give. And serving is the primary indicator of the difference. See, serving enables us to move from the human nature, sin nature of me, myself, and I, selfish, me-focused, me-centered, me, 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 I got friends. No, 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 no. Come on. Come on. This isn't a karaoke bar, Matt. Serving is the number one indicator of someone who has pushed past self to look like the divine. We resemble Jesus when we serve. When we say, you know what? I am secondary. Someone else in this moment is primary. That's a divine thing to do The essence of the Spirit of God is love and give. 
And we believe that it is absolutely essential. One of the three key fundamentals of us moving forward in our life, sustaining spiritual momentum long term in our life, is this idea that Jesus modeled the night before he was crucified of serving others, of pushing past me, of pushing past human nature, of pushing past the sin nature of selfishness, and embracing the nature of God that says, I will serve someone else. I will help someone else become more like Jesus. In this moment, I am secondary. They are primary. Show me someone who's serving others, and I'll show you someone who's growing in their faith. I guarantee it. Let me speak um, just for a minute to the vision of Next Level Church. And I know that we've added several hundred people um, to our church in the last 12 months or so. And since we really have taken time to articulate some of these thoughts, and before we move forward any further as a church, that's why I wanted to end this series this way, because I think it's so important for us to understand the vision in the heart of Next Level Church, what is most passionate to us. We understand that there are a ton of philosophies, a lot of different philosophies of ministry, of how to do church in our community today. And I want you to know that we have some amazing, amazing churches across this city. And I count it a privilege to be able to say that I am friends, dear friends, close friends with many of the pastors and leaders of our churches. And we are for every church in this community And we understand that Baskin-Robbins has 31 flavors for a reason. And we understand that there are more than 31 flavors of church or ice cream in this community. But let it be said loud and clear, we at Next Level Church and the leadership, at at the core of our heart of who we are, we are for every church in this community. I meet regularly, consistently, monthly with so many pastors across this city just because I want them to know we're for you. We're for you. We're for you. What you're doing. Keep knocking it out of the park. That's huge for us. But we also understand that our philosophy of ministry here at Next Level Church perhaps doesn't look like something else. And I want you to know that from the beginning of this church, we've desired to keep the strategy of NLC very, very simple. We're not going to create a ton of ministries and programs. That's just not who we are. That's not in our heart, and it hasn't been for five and a half years. We believe it always comes back to these three key fundamentals. And therefore, everything we do as a church is centered around these. Connecting deeply, growing consistently, and serving strategically. And again, I want you to know that as we move forward in the days ahead, the family of NLC, I want you to know that we will have laser-like focus on these three things. Connection groups, where people can connect deeply. Our Sunday morning environment, where people can grow consistently and serving opportunities where people can serve strategically. That is in our heart. Why? Why do we want to have laser-like focus on this? Why do we not want to get distracted with a whole bunch of peripheral ministries and programs and the whole deal? Here's the reason why. Because we believe that when people are doing life deeply with others in a small group context that we call connection groups, we believe that they'll be less likely to make unwise decisions that lead to pain and heartache and despair. Because we believe that there's power in a small group context. We believe that when people are consistently placing themselves in an environment like this, that their worldview begins to change. And so we will have laser-like focus on that. And we believe that when people are using their gifts and serving others regularly, that they're pushing past themselves and they're showing the world around them what Jesus looks like. 
See, that's the fundamentals that we believe as a church and as a leadership team will keep all of us on track for us as a church and for us as individuals. See, tragic things happen when someone forsakes the fundamentals. When a baseball player forgets hit, run, and throw, the team loses. When a football player forgets pass, run, and tackle, the team loses. When a driver forgets gas, brake, and steer, a collision occurs. When a math student forgets add, subtract, multiply, and divide, the paper gets failed. And when a Christian forgets connect, grow, and serve, they stop moving forward and living like Jesus in their everyday life. Let's stand together. My challenge to us this morning is simple. Where do you and I need to get back to the fundamentals of our faith? Where do we need to get back to the fundamentals that have gotten us to where we are? Are we connected in a small group? Go to the website, nextlevelchurch.com. Click under connection groups and you'll find so much information there. So many groups that are meeting all over the region, Southwest Florida. Are we committed to faithfully attending and discovering God's way of doing life consistently? And are we serving others in such a way that we're helping them become all that God wants for them to become in their life? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this place. Thank you for what you're doing. Lord, thank you for a simple concept. Lord, I pray that you would keep this church streamlined in the days that lay ahead as we move forward. We recognize that the need across our community is great. Lord, we recognize that outside of this building today, there are literally thousands and thousands of people who do not know you, who are living their life with, without purpose, without meaning, without hope, without significance. And we believe, Jesus, that you hold all of that. And that when we come into relationship with you, that you provide all of those things and so much more. Father, I pray that you would give us laser-like focus with our time, with our energy, with our efforts, with our resources as a church, that we would be able to create environments where people could connect from every age group, God, from our children who are in a large group, in a small group environment every Sunday morning, to our youth ministry of junior and senior high students who are, who are doing small group and large group ministry on Wednesday nights, God, to, to adults from men and women, marrieds and singles. God, no matter what station of life people find themselves in, God, thank you that you're giving us the ability to focus on creating these small group environments where people can be known and know others. Father, I pray that you would give us laser-like focus in our creativity here on Sunday mornings, that we would be able to take the timeless truths of your word and translate them into a language and an expression that our culture can understand. Father, I pray for laser-like focus for us as a church in creating strategic opportunities where people can serve someone else and help them become all that you want them to become. Lord, I pray that as a church, you would help us corporately and individually to push past ourselves and serve others, God, to look like you in the process. Jesus, I pray that you would help us to take a step today 
And whichever one of these three we need to just lock our heart into, whichever one is the lowest hole in the bucket, I pray that you'd help us to plug it today so that the water level spiritually in our life would just rise. To the person who needs to connect, I pray you give them courage to fear the small group environment. To the person who needs to commit to being faithful to growth, give them courage to press into that, even when it's hard, even when they're tired. And Father, to the person who needs the courage to go across the room and serve someone else, I pray that you would help them to step into that today. Lord, we're blown away at what you're doing in our hearts and what you're doing in this church. Thanks for moving us forward. In your name we pray, and everyone said,